Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution. It's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So, join with me now as we take our next step in our pilgrimage towards holiness. Hello and welcome to Day 11 of the Summer and Fall Online Retreat. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have made it through part one. We're now beginning part two. And part two is about the union of the active life and the interior life. And this first section is all about the priority of the interior over the active life in the eyes of God. In God is life, all life. He is life itself. Yet it is not by exterior works, by the creation, for instance, that the infinite being manifests this life in its most intense form, but rather by what theology calls operations and in ad intra, by that ineffable activity by which the term is the perpetual generation of the Son and the unceasing procession of the Holy Spirit. Here, preeminently, is his eternal, his essential work. Let us consider the mortal life of our Lord, a perfect realization of the divine plan. Thirty years of recollection and solitude, then forty days of retreat and penance are the prelude to his brief evangelical career. How often, too, during his apostolic journeys, we see him retiring to the mountains or the desert to pray. He retired into the desert and prayed, or passing the night in prayer, he passed the whole night in the prayer of God. Still more striking is the example of our Lord's reply to Martha, who, desiring Jesus to condemn the supposed laziness of her sister, meant that he should proclaim the superiority of the act of life. But Jesus said, Mary hath chosen the better part, a reply which definitely establishes the preeminence of the interior life. What is to be concluded from this, if not that it was his express intention to show us in this way the superiority of the life of prayer over the life of action. After the Master, the apostles, faithful to his example, take upon themselves, first of all, the duty of prayer. And then after that, in order to devote themselves to their preaching ministry, they leave to the deacons all other more external duties. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In their turn, popes, holy doctors of the church, and theologians affirm that the interior life is of itself superior to the active life. Not many years ago, a woman of faith, of virtue, and of great character, superior general of one of the most important teaching congregations in the Avignon district of central France, was invited by her superiors to consent to the secularization of her nuns. 
What should they do? Sacrifice their religious life in order to continue teaching? Or abandon their active work in order to keep their status as religious? Perplexed and not knowing how to find out what was God's will in the matter, she left secretly for Rome, was granted an audience with Leo XIII, and placed before him her doubts, explaining what great pressure was being put upon her in favor of active works. The venerable pontiff, after a few moments of recollection, gave her this categorical reply. Before everything else, before any kind of work, keep the religious life for those of your daughters who really possess the spirit of their holy state and who really love the life of prayer. And if you cannot keep both your life of prayer and your active work, God will find a way to raise up other workers in France if they are necessary. As for you, by your interior life, above all by your prayers and sacrifices, you will be more useful to France by remaining true religious although exiled from her, than you would be by staying in your native land, though deprived of the treasure of your consecration to God. In a letter addressed to a great religious institute exclusively devoted to teaching, Pius X flatly declared his views on this subject in the following words, quote, We learn that an opinion is current to the effect that you ought to put in the front rank the education of the young, and leave your religious profession in the second place, on the grounds that the spirit and the needs of the time make this necessary. It is altogether against our wish that such an opinion should receive any weight with you or with any other religious institute, which, like yours, has education as its object. Let it be taken as a firmly established truth, as far as you are concerned, that the religious life is vastly superior to the common life, and that even if you have grave obligations to your neighbor in your duty to teach, far more grave still are the obligations that bind you to God. Unquote. But is not the whole reason for the religious life and its principal object the acquiring of an interior life? The angelic doctor says the contemplative life is by its very nature better and more effective than the active life. St. Bonaventure accumulates comparatives to demonstrate the excellence of this interior life when he says, a life that is more sublime, more secure, richer, pleasanter, and more stable. The active life is concerned with men. The contemplative introduces us into the realm of the highest truth and never turns aside its gaze from the very principle of all life. <clears throat> Being more sublime, it has a much more extensive horizon and field of action. Martha, in one place, was busy in bodily work with a few things. Mary, by her charity, in many places accomplished many things. For she, in the contemplation and love of God, beholds everything. Her heart goes out to everything, comprehends and embraces all, so that by comparison with her, it can be said that Martha is troubled only over a few things. This is from Richard of St. Victor. There is less danger in a life that is almost exclusively active. The soul is excited, worked up, scatters its energies, and by that very fact weakens itself. It has a threefold defect. Thou art careful. It is worried with mental problems. Thou art troubled. And here are the troubles that stir up the passions. And finally, about many things. Occupations are multiplied, and so our energy and our action is divided. But for the interior life, one thing alone is necessary, union with God. All the rest can only be secondary, something accomplished solely by the virtue of this union, and in order to strengthen it more and more.
Contemplation brings with it all the other good things. All good things come to me together with her. It is the better part above all others. Contemplation flows with much greater merits. Why? Because at the same time, it increases the zest of the will and the degree of sanctifying grace in the soul and makes the soul act with love as its motive power. The truly interior soul abandons itself to the good pleasure of God and accepts with the same patience and evenness of heart both what is pleasing and what brings pain. Indeed, it goes so far as to be joyful under affliction and happy to carry the cross. And finally, no matter how intense it may be, the act of life has its limit here below. Preaching, teaching, works of every sort all come to an end at the threshold of eternity. But the interior life will never cease, which shall not be taken away from her. Through this life, our stay here below becomes a continual ascent toward the world of light, an ascent which death only makes incomparably more radiant and more rapid. One may sum up the perfections of the interior life by applying to it St. Bernard's words. In this life, man lives more purely, falls more rarely, recovers more promptly, advances more surely, receives more graces, dies more calmly, is more quickly cleansed, and gains a greater recompense. So we begin this second section by sharing the fact and the reality that the interior life is better than the active life. Now, I want to make sure that we don't go jumping to conclusions of the fact that that means that anything that I do actively, that this is a negative. No, this isn't where we're going, okay? And tomorrow, we're going to be focusing upon the fact that our active life, all of our good works, is simply an overflow from our interior life. So we're, we're going to be able to focus upon that tomorrow. For today, I want you to reflect upon the fact that um, throughout the history of the church and her pontiffs and her saints, what has been spoken about is the reality of the interior life being better. And there's three main reasons is in order to make sure that we aren't <clears throat> uh, being worried about things that we shouldn't be worried about. Um, and we should not be concerned about many, many things. So what I want you to do today for your resolution is I want you to list those things that are troubling you and are concerning you, um, you know, that you're worried about, uh, concerned with many things. And I want you to make a list of them. And then I want you to sit with our Lord and ask him very simply, Lord, are these things that I need to be concerned with or troubled about um, or, you know, focused on? What are the things that you desire for me? But first, we have to identify what those things are. What are those things that are troubling us? What are those things that we're preoccupied with? What are those things that are dividing our attention from being able to spend time you know, with our Lord and sitting before him as Mary did. So um, we'll continue to build upon that exercise in the coming days, but I want you to start there. We first have to come to an awareness of what is troubling us, 
what is it that is occupying our time and what is it that's dividing our attention um, and so I uh, I hope that you'll find this to be a very beneficial exercise by the time that we're done. So again, the resolution today is to sit and to write down all those things that are occupying your mind, you know, you're, you're worried about, those things that are stirring up your passions that you're troubled by, you know, things that you run into, um, and then those things that are dividing your attention. So know my continued prayers for each and every one of you. And I look forward to seeing you all again tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness, so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless.